You're listening to the best of the day. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Mixon makes a cut. Joe Mixon! Tonight's first touchdown, and the Bengals go on top. Deep to right field. Forget about this one. Number 30 on the air for the big man. And he's done it again against the Mariners. I know fan bases can, can get a little crazy. I said, I don't know what you told me about. I, no, nobody's panicking. Nobody's panicking. Say f- Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog. Good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today, we are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by everythingfinancial.com. Financial freedom awaits. Book your introductory meeting today. Visit them on the internet at everythingfinancial.com. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five star Google reviews. Find a perfect fit at kintech.net. Uh, guest list begins at 6 30 today. Greg Wyshynski, ESPN NHL analyst, is going to join us. We might not even talk about hockey with Greg. <laughs> We might just talk about the New York Jets. Yeah, Wish is a big Jets fan. I wonder what he thinks about Joe Namath absolutely ripping into the franchise. Broadway Joe is usually actually like quite supportive of the team. Yeah, and, and he, the sideline reporters. He was like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, let, he, he basically ripped into obviously Zach Wilson, but also the coaching and the management. And he basically said those guys should be fired. Said, I didn't take anything positive out of it. It was awful. They said he's seen enough. Of Zach Wilson at quarterback, to which everyone said, yes, Joe, we agree. We, too, have seen well, more than enough of Zach Wilson. The only one who seems to be supporting Zach Wilson is Robert Sala. That's crazy. Thank you. No, but there has to be. another choice. No, but there has to be. There has to be. There has to be. What? Someone. I don't know. You could so, put it somewhat to be somewhere. worse. Well, you might as well try something, right? Yeah. Try, no. try anything. You could try, try you know, something. You know, instead of trying nothing. Try something. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. We'll see if it turns out. So Greg Wyshynski at 6.30 is going to join us on the program. 7.30, first-time guest on the program, Josh Dover from Denver Sports Radio. He's one of their afternoon hosts there, and he is a self-described Denver, Colorado sports nut, like follows all the teams, which is important because Denver has kind of become a very important place with regards to major stories, especially in football. Mm, Some good, some bad. Right, but just major stories, right? The Broncos have been an abject disaster, but they've been on top of a lot of headlines throughout the country. You've got the University of Colorado football team and Coach Prime. We can ask them about the Avalanche season coming up, right? There's a lot of intrigue and drama around that. They're home of the NBA champs, too. And they're home of the NBA champions. So Josh Dover is going to join us at 7.30 from Denver Sports Radio. 8 o'clock, it's Batch. Brandon Batchelor, we can relive all the highlights from Vancouver's nail-biting 10 nothing loss to the Calgary Flames. Yeah, they lost Sunday a heartbreaker. Night. It was tight. Batch was on the call. We'll talk to Batch about that. We'll look ahead to the rest of the games. There was a few 
Uh, minor news and notes out of Canucks line that we can talk to Batch about as well, and we'll get into them in what happens. So working in reverse, guest list, 8 o'clock is Batch, 7.30, Josh Dover, uh, 6.30, Greg Wyshynski. That is the program. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance, making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. We're actually going to start today with the biz bull, specifically the Seattle Mariners, who are crashing their way out of the playoffs after an amazing, amazing August, in which I think they won every baseball game imaginable. The Mariners have fallen on hard times, and last night they came up against a vintage performance from Justin Verlander, a game which I watched in which I believe he threw approximately six pitches each inning. It was the most <laughs> economical and efficient game. Wasn't throwing hard, wasn't striking out a ton of guys, just got everyone to pop up or to ground out, and it was a 5-1 win for Verlander and the Astros over the Mariners on Monday night. Well, yeah, I thought Verlander was uh, going to throw the complete game, which I believe would have been the first complete game in Major League Baseball in about eight years. He had a chance. <laughs> Dusty Baker brought him out for the ninth, yeah. <laughs> and then he promptly gave up a double, and then Dusty's like, sit down, Justin. You're nice. He threw 96 pitches. Well, the Mariners like, he, was, had, he was efficient. The Mariners had their ace on the hill, too, mm-hmm. and Castillo just didn't get it done for Seattle. And now you're looking at the standings for the wildcard race, and the Mariners are in big trouble. And if you go to fan graphs, which we've been using for playoff odds, the Mariners' playoff odds are all the way down to 28%. Yep. Meanwhile, the Blue Jays, who didn't even play last night, are at 97.5%. So this race may actually not go down to the wire. There's still games left, and the Mariners are in, although they're in a tough spot, I suppose they're in a good spot because they do control their own destiny. Mm -hmm. They could come back and still win this series against Houston, take the next two, and then they've got four games uh, against the Rangers and all of these at home. But the Mariners just aren't playing good baseball right now, right? There's a sense of finality and deflatedness among the fan base Mm -hmm. because they're watching this. The one that killed them, obviously, was losing the three straight to the Rangers. Like, that was the real death knell because they needed to get something out of that series, and they didn't. I mean, they went they got swept at home against the Dodgers, right? And then they won their three against the A's, which everyone was like, okay, great. You beat the A's just like everyone else. But what happens when you come up against a team? And I go back to what I said about the Jays yesterday. In your division that is in a playoff chase that you you need to take games from. Mm-hmm. And the Jays did that. I mean, the, the big one from the Jays was taking two or three from the Rays. That was huge. They are not getting the job done at the most important time. It feels, August feels so long ago mm-hmm. for the Mariners right now. Like It feels like that great run where Julio Rodriguez was making national pub and everyone's like, guys, yeah. this was- team's going to be a World Series contender. They can't lose. They're red hot. And they just hit the skids in September. It was predictable that there would be some regression. The question was just how much, how bad it was going to be mm-hmm. and whether or not they'd be able to right the ship when they inevitably hit hard times like they weren't going to go they weren't going to stay hot all the way into the playoffs like that just wasn't going to happen 
you look at this roster, you look at the baseball team, the baseball team isn't good enough, mm-hmm. right? And oftentimes what happens, we, everyone listening to the show has watched sports for a while, right? Unless sports. Completely new to sports, right? This red-hot team, what happens is they're playing good baseball, um, and at the end of the streak, normally they win a few games that they shouldn't, mm-hmm. right? And things just like that... They aren't doing things as well as they were before. Maybe they get a little overconfident. Maybe they'll get a little cocky. And finally, the winning stops. And then the question is, are you enough of this? Mm -hmm. Let's get back to doing what we were doing before. But sometimes, like, I don't think, let's go around the room here. We can Mm. talk to Laddie. Like, are the Mariners on paper that good? I think they've had a couple of key injuries to their rotation. You look at Gonzalez and Robbie Ray. You know, having yeah. Robbie Ray in there will make a huge difference right now. He's would. the guy they decided to spend their money yeah. on, right? Yeah. So if you look at them overall, you're kind of like, uh, you know. I think they're better than what they've shown, but only because of the injuries. But they, they weren't had. close to as good as what they showed in August. No. Right? Uh, so uh, just to circle it back to the Jays, Jays open up. So they got six games left, right, in the season. Three against New York, three against Tampa Bay. Open the series against New York tonight. And then they'll finish with three, and they're all at home, right? They finish with a six-game homestand, which is huge. So um, I'm, I'm fairly— Hooray for renovations. Yay, Renos. I'm confident in saying that the Jays are they're a playoff team. Are you, you must be— con- I know you don't want to say it. I'll say the quiet part oh, out loud. Well, even if they lose all six, it's still yeah, like, a, like 75% yeah, chance yeah. now. Which is, which is, amazing, which is an yeah. amazing thing. They should lose all six and just see what happens. They're three games up on the Mariners now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's move to the football from last night. we got a pair of games that we need to get into— and I'll say this, the games last night for sports fans and anyone, a neutral observer just looking to be entertained, not that entertaining. Mariners game fall dead flat. I guess if you really like pitching performances, then you like Verlander. Uh, Eagles, Bucks, not great. Bengals, Rams, complete slog. But I guess we'll start there because yeah. at least it was close. At least it was compelling. At the end. Yeah. But not a good football game by any stretch. Joe Burrow still looks like he's about, I don't know, 50 to 60% health. Slogged his way to a 19 to 16 win over the Los Angeles Rams. His first win of the season, the Bengals' first win of the season. I doubt last night does a whole heck of a lot to silence any doubts, concerns, and questions about the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, they got a win, but they got a win against what is kind of looks like a bang average Los Angeles Rams team. And they did it. Not necessarily through anything that Burrow did magically. He just kind of survived the game, managed to put up enough offense, didn't turn the ball over a ton, 19-16 win over the Rams. Yeah, if anything was impressive for me from the Bengals, it was their defense. But it wasn't Joe Burrow, and he spoke with the reporters after the game, and they asked him, you know, where are you in your recovery from your injury? And he's like, "Uh, we're getting there, Mm -hmm. right? He's not 100%. And he was asked about the risk of playing, and he said the risk of going zero and three was bigger. Joe, he does know how to work a room. I'll say that <laughs> Burrow's got good presence. He's going to be dating a starlet soon enough, I imagine. Maybe yeah. not quite Taylor Swift level, but he could fall in at some. I don't know, maybe opening act. By the way, how about the start that the Rams have been forced to have? Yeah, like they go into <laughs> Seattle, they yeah. get the win, but then they have to play San Francisco and Cincinnati. That's tough. They're they're they, yeah, can, can, it is tough. Can we uh can we conclude after three weeks that the NFC West is better Way than we expected better. it to be? Way better. Arizona could be three and oh. Yeah. 
They're they're one and two. They just upset Dallas, but in their first two games, they held leads late in the game. They could have beaten Washington, and they could have beaten the no. They should have beaten the Giants. Yeah, the Rams' schedule. Put it this way: they went in and waxed, and I can say confidently, waxed Seattle, a playoff team last year in Seattle in Week One. Then they get San Fran in Week Two, uh, a Super Bowl contender. And they lose by one score. Granted, it was kind of dodgy at the end when they kicked a field goal with no time left to make it a one-score game, but I digress. Then they go week three into Cincinnati take on another very good team, a team that went to the AFC title game last year in Cincinnati, and it's a, it's a one-score one game. Mm-hmm. So, like, L.A. is, again, I think they're an average to above-average team. It feels like they can play with anybody, yeah. but it makes the division way more difficult because now you're looking at your Seattle and you're saying, well... I was almost ready to chalk up four, <laughs> four wins, wins right there between yeah. the Rams and the Cardinals, and now you're looking at it and you're saying, well, that's no longer the case. And there are way weaker divisions in the NFL right now. Uh, the other game last night, and someone texted in this morning. First text we got was Brett Langley, who, by the way, loves the show, guys. Hey, Brett Langley loves the show. Andy gave the thumbs up. Nice. Uh, Thanks, Brett. Um, thank you, Brett. What I learned, Brett writes, early what we learned, by the way, get your what we learns in Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. You guys need to get official pick. He said the Eagles would cruise. Spread was six. And by taking the six and a half, I got plus money. I would have taken nine and a half, but I couldn't get it. Mike did say that yesterday with confidence when I asked him to preview Monday Night Football. He said, the 2-0 and Buccaneers with Baker Mayfield. Are they going to be outed as a fraud? And he said, absolutely. The Eagles are going to go in and completely steamroll them. And they did. Jalen Hurts threw for a touchdown, ran for another one. Philly won its first eight games last year. They're off to a 3-0 start this year. Uh, what was the final score? It was 22-15 for the Eagles yesterday. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of people would be like, oh, Baker Mayfield must have come back down to earth. I mean, he wasn't good, but... Jalen Hurts wasn't great passing either. This one came to be. This one came down to the Eagles running game. Yeah, they they ran the ball down the yeah. throats of Tampa Bay. It was actually kind of similar to the Seahawks game. Run. Right? Like run, Gino Gino run. didn't play all that well. Yeah. I, I didn't think he was I don't think he was spectacular. In fact, you know, he threw an interception and there could have been more interceptions. But they ran the ball successfully, and they got the win. And Gino tacked on some pretty decent numbers at the end when he had the touchdown to Bobo. And then the yeah, 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 you know what sure. I mean? It made but, his numbers but, look better. But I don't think I was watching Gino and be like, this is an unbelievable performance. It was all about the run. Well, yeah, it's funny because if you can work within the parameters of a good game plan and just win ball games, like that's exactly what Jalen Hurts does. Jalen Hurts uh, is now 20-1 and one over his last... 21 regular season games. That is a remarkable stat. Do you know who else was good in that game? Who? His name is also Jalen. Oh, yeah. I saw the highlights. He's good, man. Jalen Carter. He's he is he's really good. I am a little worried that the when we tell the story retroactively and retrospectively of the mm. Seahawks and that draft, that they are going to regret passing on Jalen Carter just because of the talent level. Because he... Not only is he a really good player, and if you saw him last night, he just makes individual plays where he just blows up the backfield. He's, or he just he, makes a tackle. He's a giant. He's a huge dude, and he moves really quick. That's one thing. The other thing is, like, there wasn't a team screaming out for more interior defensive line help <laughs> than the Seattle Seahawks. And that was the and one. And like a, like a guy that blows plays up. Yeah. And you, you know? were talking in the Rams game, you're like, where's the playmaker on defense? And I'm like, he's in Philadelphia. 
He's playing for the Eagles. That mm-hmm. could have been their guy. And it's unfair to Witherspoon, right? Because I think he's been pretty good. Yeah, he showed so some far. things. It's just different. Well, it's just different when you've got that type of player versus uh, a guy in the secondary. And I know guys in the secondary are very important now because the NFL is a passing league. And you have to have guys that can break up passes. And Witherspoon did that quite well in the last game. But I just watched Jalen Carter play. And and for the record, I didn't want the Seahawks to draft him. I thought there were a lot of red flags out there. Because there are a lot of red Because there are a lot of red flags. Yeah. And this could still go sideways. But it was probably the perfect situation for Jalen Carter to go to a good football team, mm-hmm. right? And there's expectations, and you don't go to a place where, I don't know, they're trying to build a culture, and maybe nobody knows who the leaders are, and they don't really have a good thing going, and you're losing and you accept losses. You go to Philadelphia, there's a very, very passionate fan base there that's going to expect the most out of you. He has been very good. Uh, I believe I erred in reporting the final score of the Eagles and um, Buccaneers game yesterday. It was actually, and I, I, this, I apologize for this because this is something that I find cool. Uh, it was twenty-five to eleven, which means it was a scoregami. Really? Yeah. Still getting those, eh? We got two this weekend because uh, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but 70 to 20 is also a <laughs> u- unique score in the National Football League. I swear there so. was one the week before. For those, that have, for those that have no idea what scoregami is, there is, I, I think it's a single gentleman. It may be a team of people. They track every single NFL game every week to try and find a score that's never happened. I think it's before. just an AI program. That you think? Scans. I think it's previous. an individual because it feels like a personality, that score got me. Uh, as for the Canucks, the Vancouver Canucks uh, made a few moves yesterday. No, they did not send everyone who participated in the Calgary game back to uh, Abbotsford or even Kalamazoo. I didn't know you could cut 25 yeah, players yeah, in one you game. Missed <laughs> you missed a good time yesterday. Uh, I know. I was really sad to not be here yesterday because uh, that would have been fun. Because there, there was a lot Everyone's of... Everyone saying, rough, don't freak out. There was the whole well, inbox, there, apparently. Because yeah. we said at the end of the show, we're like they could send a message today by just having a letter that says the following players are released, and then it would just say everyone that played against Calgary. Yeah, you're done. But they didn't do that, so they sent five guys back to junior, including goalie Ty Young, who they signed to an entry level contract. Laddie, do you know anything about Ty Young that you that you can add? Or of course, is, he knows about. Are, Ty are, Young. are you? I don't know you, a ton, but okay. he's he's been sort of buried in the roster in the WHL. So hopefully mm-hmm. this year he gets to shine a little more and play a little more because I haven't seen a ton of them. He's been a backup for most of his career. So among the players sent back was, of course, Ty Young and uh, Hunter. How are we doing his name here? Bershowitz? Brewsowitz? Brewsowitz. If you were to actually... I think we should just call him Bruiser. Brewsowitz? Yeah. Brewster. Brewster. (laughs) Brewer. If we were to actually sound out his name, it would be Brewsowitz. That's how we should do it. Is that why they cut him? They couldn't pronounce. <laughs> yeah, Taka was like this enough of this. Like, Hunter, yeah, are you Hunter B? This is way too many syllables. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks um, play again Wednesday uh, in Edmonton against the Oilers, and the Oilers have already played two preseason games. They got shut out by the Jets last night, five nothing. Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl have yet to play in the preseason, so I imagine they're probably going to play. It, it would be funny if the Canucks more or less dressed the same roster and the Oilers just loaded up again. Yeah. <laughs> Canucks are like, we're going to do it again. See if it works, back. See if it works this time. Um, I, I wonder how uh, Tockett is going to deploy his goalies the rest of the preseason. So we all know that Arthur Silas was the, was the poor starter yeah. uh, and Calgary stayed in there for two periods. Uh, he allowed seven goals. Um, you got to think Demko and DeSmith – We'll get at least two appearances each. 
I, I don't know. Like, it's probably up to the goalies and the goalie coach to say, like, hey, guys, like, how much do you want to play? Mm-hmm. Um, but I imagine they want to get, the, uh, you know, both of those guys in there sooner rather than later just so you know how much they'll have to play. Like, what if one of them goes in there and is super rusty and he's like, oh, I could use as much work as I could possibly get in the preseason? Um as for all the goalies, I think Seelovs is probably going to start the season in Abbotsford, and not just because he didn't play well against Calgary, because that's where he should be. Mm-hmm. He's young, uh, he doesn't need waivers, and that's where he should be in Abbotsford, playing a bunch of games, learning his craft, not sitting on the, on the bench as the backup to Thatcher Demko, which is why the Canucks did Long. bring in a guy like Casey DeSmith. Um, Spencer Martin, I assume, is probably going to be He's traded or possibly claimed on waivers because he does need waivers. And Elliot Freeman uh, was saying recently on the 32 Thoughts podcast that Colorado's looking for a goalie. Yeah. And they know Spencer Martin. So maybe Spencer Martin would make sense for a team like Colorado. And I wonder if the Canucks would actually welcome that. Because they got a goal, they got a lot of goalies now. Yeah. And you don't, you don't want to, I know that they can send some guys down to Kalamazoo uh, in the ECHL. I really like saying that by the way, Kalamazoo and Rancho Cucamonga. They're fun places to say. Fun places you know to what? say. I think they should sign another goalie. Have seven? They should have Maybe eight. How many, so it's six right now under contract, right? Yes. Yeah. But, Ty Young, but Ty Young is going back to junior, Yeah, he's, right? his doesn't start until he yeah. finishes his junior I, I wasn't counting Young as no. one of the six. No, they have six legit yeah. that need to play this year somewhere. Yeah. And well, yeah, because you know when they brought in DeSmith, the first thing I thought was, okay, I wonder what that does mean for Martin. Because he's a... It's, he's a nice-to-have guy at that point. You don't necessarily need him. He's a great number three and a guy that can bounce between the mm-hmm. AHL and the NHL. Well, where, a, so seriously, where is Martin on the depth chart now? Is well, there's a lone four? possibility to the ECHL, right? That's kind of where he's at right Martin's, now. Martin's if, number three. Perhaps there's no, he's number N- four. Seelovs might be ahead of him. Yeah. Perhaps if, there's an NHL team that could use Spencer Martin's services? Another, yeah, well, another well, that's what like I Colorado. just talked about. Yeah, yeah. Colorado. Probably. Yeah. But, I mean, outside, I mean, surely there are others as well. Well, like, injuries are going to happen early in the season. You get the myriad of yeah. groin and that's knee true. injuries. I mean, when so we talk somebody to, will need a goalie at some point. Whenever we talk to Woodley, he always puts the value of having a number three, a guy that's got NHL experience isn't, mm-hmm. is, and is not Seelovs. That's why I would say Seelovs would be number four, because at least with Martin, you can say, well, he's played a bunch of games in the NHL. They haven't necessarily gone great, but he's played them. He's had some stretches of decent play in the NHL. So if you were ever put in a situation where you got to play a number three, that would be the guy. The flip side of it is those guys are hard to keep around because you have to put them on waivers. You don't like carrying three goalies on your active roster, right? You want to make sure that they can try and get some games down in the American League, and other teams are looking to pluck from you. So the weird thing about the Canucks preseason schedule is that the first three games are on the road and the last three games are at home. Um, Two at Rogers Arena, one in Abbotsford. Um, But typically how it goes in the preseason is – because your fans are buying tickets to the preseason games, you don't want to dress a lineup like the Canucks dressed in Calgary. You want to have some name recognition out there. So, you know, the tickets for the preseason aren't exactly cheap, and you're making your fans buy them, your season ticket holders buy those. So you're kind of like, all right, we'll give you something, right? But when the schedule is imbalanced with all the first three games on the road, and the final three games at home mm-hmm. because there's stuff going on at Rogers Arena. That's why that's happening. That's why that's going on. Um, then, like, what what's Rick Tocca going to do? Like, I imagine he's going to play some of his really good players in Edmonton on one Wednesday. And I kind of hope he does. Like, let's get these guys out there. 
yeah. right? Let's get them playing in games. Um, you know, at the risk of upsetting fans, if you don't dress the stars in maybe maybe one of the home games, but they need to get going. Um, they are not going to do what they did against Calgary lineup wise, probably again this post this pre, this exhibition season. Um, I had kind of heard in talking to a couple different people that one. The organization was well aware of what Calgary was going to ice on Sunday and then what they were going to ice in response. Like they, right. both, both sides knew what was going on. Yeah, then it, talk a bit on the flames. <laughs> so there was that. Um, and then the other I can't part, take you out for pizza because... Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the other part of it was there was a little pushback that, hey, maybe we shouldn't do this. That we shouldn't put a, a lineup this raw, this inexperienced, this they, young, this they, age. They were heavy. wondering about that? In the aftermath, I think everyone knew going in there was some trepidation about it's going to yeah. be bad. You know, you know why they had second thoughts? Because they lost ten nothing. Because they lost ten nothing. Yeah, I mean that's usually what happens, right? <laughs> when you lose ten nothing, is it kind of makes you look back on things. Was say, that wrong hmm. to do that? Did, did, we, did our lineup? Uh, should we? Should we? Should we not have done that? Was this an us problem? <laughs> was this a thing that we did? This number seems high. Yeah, we have a team of people working around this. Once again, absolutely nothing to be read into it, other than we should not do that again. And I think. We will see a much more competent NHL lineup on Wednesday in Edmonton when the Canucks take on the Oilers. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the day. Halford and Bruff. Seven oh two on a Tuesday. It's always special when you hit that music just right. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet six fifty. You're like a real radio DJ, kinda. Swinging time in the twenties. Yeah. Halford and Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today we are in hour two of the program. Hour 2 is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them, 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Jason, prior to the break, was asking about your feedback on Vasily Podslovin, also known as Vasily Podkolzin. <laughs> the 10th overall pick from a few years ago has never really materialized as a Vancouver Canuck. There's been glimpses. There's been hope. There were more glimpses when he was a rookie than yes. in the last little while. He scored 14 goals as a rookie, did he yeah. not, if I'm not mistaken? Mm-hmm. We all thought he was going to be on a rocket ship somewhere, but the trajectory is supposed to be upward. It's going to get better, not worse. He was going to get higher, not flatline. But now we are facing a 2023-2024 NHL campaign in which there are real questions if Pod Colson will even be on the Vancouver Canucks opening night roster. So I put up a poll last night on X. 
Yeah. Formerly known as Twitter. Please don't do that. X. No. I I refuse. Of the guys, he he owns it. He can name it whatever he wants. He can can name it A-Dog. Well, that'd, that'd be fine. We should just call it. I put up a poll on A-Dog last night. <laughs> Got to be a better uh, way to say that. Oh, boy. <laughs> We're not doing phrasing anymore. Thank you for that, laddie. Of the guys that played in the Calgary game, this is the question, which Canuck has the brightest NHL future? So I listed four of them. Hoaglander, Pod Colson, Hirose, and Ratu. And A-Dog voted 600 times on this poll question. You hacked X. And Ikito Hirose ended up winning um, the poll at, well, well, at well. 41%, <laughs> which is which is interesting because Hirose is how old? He's like 24, right? He is a mature prospect. He's a mature prospect, right? So he's older He's older than Pod Colson. So he he has that going for him. He turns 25 in April. Right? Like, he's, he's an old guy. He's not um, that old. Well, I don't know, for a prospect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, Hoaglander came in second at 27.5%. Ratu got, who played well, he was one of the few Canucks that played well against Calgary, uh, got 21%. And Pod Colson was just at 10%, despite the fact that he was the only, well, no, Ratu was a first-round pick, but Pod Colson was a top-10 pick. So a lot of people are going back on the Canucks draft history and going, we like guys like Pedersen and Hughes, but imagine if the Canucks had hit a home run with the pick they used on Jake Furtanen, mm-hmm. and they had to buy him out. They had to buy him out. Yeah. That's how badly it went for Jake in the end. Olu Ulevi, who turned into basically not an NHL player. Like, he's, he's not an NHL player. He was the first defenseman taken off the board in his draft year. And he's not an NHL player. So Pod Colson, even though he wasn't like third overall or fourth overall, anything like that, still a top 10 pick in a draft where a bunch of pretty good players went right after him, is looking right now to me, and this is just my personal opinion, I do not think he's a player. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. I hope I hope one of these Prove days. Me wrong, kids. I hope Prove one of these me days. Wrong. When we do that, prove me wrong, um, I'm actually proven quite wrong. Yeah. Pod Colson seems like a great kid. Like, everyone on the team likes him. Everyone. Everyone says really good things about his work ethic, everything. It just doesn't seem to be coming together on the ice. Now, maybe, maybe, maybe he needs a little more time and people, I've seen people throwing it out there for power forwards. It takes a little more time. You know, the same avenue we went down with Jake, but that doesn't mean it won't work for Pod Colson. When I watch Pod Colson play, and this has been true for the last year, I just don't see any dynamic ability. He, to me, looks like a guy that is either, one, incapable of making a play, like a dynamic play where you kind of like you make something out of nothing or you just make something happen, right? Yeah. Or too scared to try and make that play and he just doesn't want to make a mistake. I hope it's the latter because that means it can be coach, he can be coached up, yeah. right? And this is what Rick Tockett was saying about Pod Coles and when he came on the show. He said, he just seems to me like he needs to play a little more reckless, I Which mean, you don't hear coaches say very much, right? Like I like this guy to be more reckless. I I feel 
extremely bad for the guy because he's still only 21 years old. Last year, I think a lot of people forget, was his sophomore NHL campaign. And if you take his rookie season in a vacuum, there was promise, and there was 14 goals, so there was intrigue, and there was the hope that he could get better and would get better. In 100 NHL games, so two years in the NHL, 100 games, not a huge body of work. He's had three different head coaches. He spent time in the American League, and I think we should point this out. Something changed last year when he had that run in with, uh, it was it A.J. Greer, right, from uh, Boston? Remember that? When Greer hit him high, and then he dropped the gloves, and then Greer hit him again real high? There was a confidence, I don't know whether it was a confidence issue or an injury issue, but it played into that narrative. There was that theory with Jake, too. He got in that fight. Yes. They played into that that overall narrative that there were going to be real consequences for your actions, and you were you know you were scared. And I'm not saying scared to get knocked out and scared to lose a fight, just scared of putting yourself out there and, and taking a risk and taking a chance because it went badly. Mm-hmm. And I think that collectively, the kid's confidence was shot. S H O T shot last year, and I think it's still shot. I think you're looking at a guy that, and remember. Where was he playing prior to the NHL? He was playing in the Continental Hockey League where the general sentiment for young players is make no mistakes. And if you do make a mistake, all your ice time is taken away in favor of a veteran player. I think there's a lot going on here Mm -hmm. in terms of a skewed development plan. And I don't know if it's ruined him, but right now... Well, he'll be, he'll be in the AHL to start the season. I can't see him being on the opening night roster. I, I think, well, God, you know what? I can't Saying see that, though. I can't see it. Who's going to replace Mikheyev if he's not ready to go? Someone that's earned it? Someone else, I guess. Yeah. Taking anyone else? I, I don't know. I, don't I, I want to see Archie Baines soon. Yeah, there you go. There's game. a guy. Tristan um, I think I think that's a long shot, Baines, but I, I'd still like to to see him. Uh, Jay, I want to read some people's texts because there's some good texts coming in here. Uh, Jay in the Ridge. When Pod Colson played well at those international tournaments before the Canucks drafted him, he played like he was the older birth year player in those events. He dominated physically and imposed his will. I want him to realize that mentality again now that he's been in North America for a few seasons, regardless of offensive output. Confidence is required to do that, so I hope Talk gives him a shot early. Well, Talk, that's past tense. He has given him a shot. At training camp, he played him on a line with Miller and Besser, and the message to Pot Colson was, hey, Mikheyev usually would be here. You know, this is Mikheyev's spot here. But because Mikheyev isn't there, you're getting this opportunity, so make the most of it. And by the accounts of people at training camp and certainly by his performance uh, in the Calgary game, he's not taking advantage of this confidence that the club has put in him. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's a philosophical debate about where you're at as an organization. Do you give the guy with the pedigree more kicks at the can? Or do you say this is an opportunity that is earned, Jason, not given? That's an important thing because there are guys out there, some of this in this organization, that didn't get taken 10th overall, mm-hmm. that didn't get to go up on stage and have the jersey and Stan Smeal butcher their surname and go up and have that moment. There's guys that had to work and grind and everything else. And this isn't to say that Pod Colson is some sort of spoiled silver spoon He's not. type. He's not. He's a worker. But within the context of the NHL, 
10th overall picks always, always are going to get more opportunities than undrafted guys. It's mm-hmm. just the way of the world. It's fair or not or whatever. Well, it is. I mean, it's right. I mean, they're the 10th overall pick, so they show talent. However, there comes a time where uh, earning those opportunities takes precedence over giving a guy another of chance. Course, you know of, course, I mean? so of course, of course, of course, of course. And it's sad, and it sucks that we're at that stage right now with a 21-year-old guy who, by the way, like just had a baby and has a family and a life and everything. But the reality of it is, is there's guys competing for jobs, right? Shouldn't Bay Bob Colson have dad strength now? Like, does, don't you automatically level up? Well, someone texted in yesterday and they said, um, we were hoping he we'd get dad strength, yeah. uh, Pod Colson, but we're getting tired dad, Pod yeah. Colson, instead. Uh, a couple of corrections. First of all, Pod Colson, 22, turned 22 in June, and also Ratu was a second-round pick. So of those four guys in the poll question, only Pod Colson was a first-round pick. Um We've got another one that... Oh, this is Jay from Delta. This season shouldn't be do or die for Pod Colson. I would give him this season and next. If he still doesn't pan out to be the player we want, um, he'll need to change his game and find a different style of play because we can sure use big body power forwards like Pod Colson. I don't think he's going to get as long as you want, Jay from Delta. Like He needs to determine his game now. You can't just keep failing to make an impact and then say, I'm going to change my game, Hmm. right? He needs to do that now. Um, But as for your point that we could sure use a big body forward like Pod Colson, my God, yes. And not just a big body power forward. The type of forward that Pod Colson in theory could be with his two-way instincts. Those two-way wingers Mm -hmm. are, I think, the most like underrated type of player the two-way wingers that can go out there and they can win board battles they can chip in offensively they're also good defensively they can grind down the other team those players are very valuable and frankly the Canucks have had not close to enough of those types of players in the last little while yeah and they drafted him with the hope of being that but the reality of the situation now is uh, he's not they don't have the wiggle room for him to figure this out at the NHL level, the stakes are too high. There's too much invested in this season, right? Put it this way. If Sheldon Dries or Phil DiGiuseppe is going to give you 10 to 15% more playing in that spot, then you're going to take that over the long-term play of having Pod Coles and get his reps in the NHL and having off nights and mm-hmm. going 15 games without a goal and looking like he might go 50 because his finish isn't there, right? That's where they're at as an organization. So I, I look at it, and I'm like, he's going to be an Abbotsford Canuck to start the year. I think Hoaglander might be too. And it's, you know... Well, Hoaglander is different because he requires waivers. I don't know if he's going to make it well, to Abbotsford. Well, that's true. I mean, I think in right. an ideal world, they would like to see him open in Abbotsford, but he might not I, be able to sneak him no, through. No, 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 no. In an ideal world, they want him to play on the NHL roster. See, I don't think, I don't know if no, he's they there. Do. No, no, they no, do. no, no. I'm not saying whether what they want. I'm saying whether he's there or not. Like, it's great if you want it. They probably want Pod mm-hmm. Colson to be on the NHL roster. I'm not sure that it's there. Um, so a few people asking, well, who was taken after Pod Colson in the draft? The big, the big one that people point out is Matt Boldy. Because a lot of people were screaming for Matt Boldy mm-hmm. at the time that the Canucks made that pick. And he eventually... So so Pod Colson went number 10 to Vancouver. Victor oh, Soderstrom, 12, uh, the number 11, uh, went, uh, the defenseman went number 11 to Arizona. And Matt Boldy went 12 to Minnesota. Guys like Cole Caulfield 
were still around. Yeah, he, went uh, 15. he went 15 to yeah. Montreal. Yeah, and I mean, the, <laughs> with Caulfield, say what you will about his uh, ceiling as a player. And he can score goals. Like, he's clearly defined what he can do. And I know he had a lengthy slump in his sophomore year, but once St. Louis came on board, okay. I figured I, it out. I want to read this text from, um, I think it's Ramon. Uh, all it took was one preseason game with all AHLers for Halford to send Pod Colson down. No, well, was, first of all, it was me. But I, didn't, sec- I didn't watch that game. But yeah. <laughs> but second of all, uh, n- no, it was last season. It was his overall poor training camp where he failed to make an impact. And, um, yeah, a lot of it was that game against Calgary. Like, guys like Hoaglander actually made some positive plays out there. And he went in there, you know, he had a big hit at the end. He was trying to do things. Ratu played well. He was making smart plays. And it looks like his skating improved. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I want to respond to Razor Ramon here. Because I didn't send down... Pod Colson to the American League. Did you miss last season, Ramon, where he played like close to 30 games in Abbotsford? He actually spent almost as much yeah. time in the American League than he did in the NHL. Yeah, but I blame we blame you for I that. didn't it's send him. I didn't send him down. Uh-huh. I didn't say, hey, you're not doing much at the AHL level, go to the or at the NHL level, go to the AHL. Like that's a crazy I don't even text. know if he did much at the AHL level, to be perfectly honest with he you. He had uh seven goals and eighteen points in twenty eight games. So that's, that's decent. not bad, I guess. Not bad. But it wasn't like he was lighting it up. Like I, I don't, you know, I don't. That, that's a weird text. That's a weird text. Uh, text in. I would hate to see Pod Colson turn into another uh, McCann. This is where we're at right now with Pod Colson. Right, we're having the debate about would we immediately regret it if we traded him? Right. And, Cam Neely and, broke everyone's brain. Cam Neely yeah. broke Vancouver yeah. for sure. Yeah, they did. He did. But it has, Jared McCann it, it was has tra- happened. Though, Jared McCann was traded times. when he was nineteen. Right, Jared McCann was traded because the organization um, was impatient, and they wanted to bring in a blue liner. And maybe they didn't like Jared McCann's attitude. And which, McCann which runs the people the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. But that would—I mean—the Canucks completely mishandled that. Like, I, I, I yeah, I, I wouldn't want Pod, Col- but I don't have—I don't have a lot of worries about Pod Colson breaking out. And also, you know what? When you're running a hockey team, you can't run it scared. You have to have your opinion about whether or not you think this player has a good chance to pan out if you're a little more patient with him. Mm-hmm. You can't have the attitude of, oh, we might come to regret this for every single young prospect. You can't. Otherwise, every asset will die on the vine. Yeah, I mean, there's no, the tough part with any young player and projecting out their future is it's it's a speculator's game. No one has a, a sure fire. Well, this guy's going to make it, or well, we need to cut bait on this guy. It's it's a guessing game. I mean, when you bring up McCann, it's like do you also want to add on the fact that Florida moved on from him, Pittsburgh moved on from him, mm-hmm. Toronto had him for about 19 seconds before they lost him in the expansion draft. Like other teams passed on him, and then he hit with the Kraken. Now he's a very good player. He's making a lot of money and he's scoring a lot of goals. It happens. The thing with Pod Colson, and someone did astutely point this out, is that it's it, it we do it does feel like there has been there's been a recurring theme, which you can you know go across the generations of the Canucks not having the patience, having high expectations, and then ultimately moving on from these prospects because they don't have the fertile ground at the NHL level to bring a guy mm-hmm. in, right? 
I do want to see Paul Colson get another preseason game. Don't get me wrong. I want to see him get a couple more. Yeah. Like, I, it's the preseason. Put him into give, – keep, keep giving him opportunities and see if he makes anything of it. Because, yes, you can't have an excuse that Pod Colson was playing with a bunch of AHL players and, you know, the Flames just dominated them. It, it was hard for everyone on the ice. It was hard to it was hard to make a positive impact in that game. But I also feel like what we also do sometimes with prospects is we we make it dependent on others for these guys to make an impact, right? Well, he's got to bring in the right coach. Or he's got to play him on the right line. Or we gotta put him in the right position. You gotta, you know, no, he needs power play time. Things like that. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's kind of like the good players find a way to make an impact. And when they make an impact, they're rewarded with more opportunities as opposed to just being given them. There are ways to make an impact in a game even when it's 10 nothing. Hoaglander did it. Matt Irwin did it. Matt Irwin said, Hoaglander, you got hit. I didn't like that. I'm going to drop the gloves. I'm going to do something positive for this team. Ratu apparently worked on his skating. So you're like, wow. Good for him. He was like one of the few bright spots right? in the game. Like he looked good. Yeah, very smart Great. out there. Right, that's awesome. I you, were, you were tasked with something in the off season, and it looks like you've accomplished that. That's what you want to see from players. You want to see progress. And unfortunately, with Pod Colson, we haven't seen progress for a long, long time. Uh, and now he's on. Now he's under the. Now he's under the spotlight. Right, the next game he plays in the preseason, everyone's going to be watching Pod Colson. Do something. Do is, something. Do something. There's a good text in here. It's unsigned, but it's into the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket at six fifty six fifty. Unsigned texter writes: My big takeaway is that he's coachable. He's likable, and other guys that you've mentioned are uncoachable and unlikable. I do think that's a big part of this, and why I feel almost bad at times running down because by all accounts, Pod Colson's great. Yeah, he works hard. The, the guys like him. Yeah, he's you know he, he he's he's always trying to work on his game. It's not for a lack of effort or intensity or likability or coachability, right? He's taken on a lot in his young life. He's twenty one mm-hmm. years old and he's married and has a kid. You don't see a lot of those twenty two, and I that is that that's a tough thing to reconcile when you're talking rather callously about his playing. But the reality of it is, it's, it's business oriented. That's why he slots into um, that conversation with other quote unquote failed prospects is because mm-hmm. it's not panning out like they thought it would, right? It's like stocks. You don't get emotionally attached to them if they're mm-hmm. going up or down. You shouldn't, right? And that's the same thing here. But I will say there is a difference because the guy is trying to do, especially on the ice when it comes to practice and in the gym and everything else, he is trying to do the right things to be better at it. It's just not happening right now. Yeah, and and Jeff in East Hill Makes a really good point. Bruff, it's all good to say all that stuff, but when you're somebody that lacks confidence, I don't think it's that easy. Um, maybe ask Marcus Naslin. Naslin, he had to go to a sports therapist to get right, to become a good player. Um, sometimes it is about just giving people opportunities and not just earning them. My point on Pod Colson is that he has been given opportunities. Like The club is doing... Everything it I think can. his confidence is is shot. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a problem, right? Really, what it looks like. Yeah, yeah. he's just really he, unfortunate. He plays scared, and which is unfortunate because he's supposed to be a, a crasher and a banger. Mm-hmm. And when you have a player like that, that that's his calling card. Suddenly playing scared, it's yeah. Well, it's, suddenly his major tool is no longer there. Okay, like, guys, let's do it before before we t- we turn our attention to Denver sports. 
with Josh Dover. Talk about all the cool stories going on in Denver, especially the Broncos being terrible. That's a cool story. Uh, let's let's come together as a show right now and say you can do it. You can do it, Podsy. You, you can do it, Pods. I believe you. Okay? You Pods. can do it. Come Pods. on, buddy. Buddy, you're, you're a good player. You know he's, listen, you know he's listening right now. <laughs> you're awesome. All the boys love you. You're the best, Pods. Just go out there and make a play. You can do it. You're super talented. you got a great shot. You can do it. We believe All right? You. We believe in you. Just ignore everything that we said. Please do not go on social media. <laughs> <laughs> we believe in you, buddy. Get it done. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.